Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Decadent Entertainment, the show where we combine our love for film, food, and friendship. I'm Truett, and with me is my co-host, Nicholas. And we just watched Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. As per our discussion last week, we are going to go try a pumpkin spice latte. And so we are about to get in the car and depart. Oh, boy. Do you want to drive? Um, yeah, let me grab my keys. So, Nick, what did you think of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban? I think it is my third favorite fourth favorite Harry Potter movie. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, Harry Potter is a book series from the 90s that was turned into a movie series from the, the aughts to the tens. And so it's it's a pretty formative part of our childhood. I, I, I would say that. I, I don't know if you would agree. I, I, would, I would most definitely agree. I think it, it was probably the movie fran- franchise of my of my childhood. Well, and my friend Patrick brought this up, but for there being eight films, the direction, the world building, the production design, it's shockingly consistent. And I mean, obviously there's highlights and lowlights of the series, but it's pretty, pretty consistent in the world that's formed. It looks the same, it feels the same, which is really kind of an achievement when you think about it. Well, and they had a bunch of different directors and that sort of thing too, right? Like. I think there were like new directors on on several of the films and to maintain that artistic form throughout multiple directors and people running the the movies I think is is an achievement too. It's pretty tough. One of the things that I think is really kind of interesting about this one that I was noticing is throughout the course of it there's a couple magical items that they encounter and one, for instance, is the Marauders, Marauders. Marauders? The Marauders map, the fancy, um, so basically they have this fancy map that shows the footsteps and the location of everybody in Hogwarts. And when I was watching that, I was really just thinking, I don't think the film addresses this, but there's a really big ethical question to be brought up about the amount of information and privacy that that would betray and I mean obviously that's not the point of it and it's a it's a magical tale about kids but I think that the existence and the ethics of that is really questionable I think definitely power creep in general is something that this movie didn't really uh, tend to that well and like it's something that they should probably watch out more for like the the time turner that they have if Dumbledore if Dumbledore had that his whole entire time why can't he just have gone back in time to when say Tom Riddle was was going to school and just murder Tom Riddle it's like the Adolf Hitler like just choke as him out. a baby question yeah just kill Tom Riddle before he comes becomes Voldemort now Harry Potter has parents boom done well, I, I think the the funniest thing to me about the time travel mechanic and just that as a device in this movie is that Hermione, one of the main characters who's kind of a bookworm, her teacher, Professor McGonagall, gives her a time travel device. And so it can literally alter the fabric of space time 
And the only reason she has this is so that she can study more. (laughs) And so obviously it comes into play at the end of the movie when they have to kind of go back and, and save the life of Sirius Black. But they just they just kind of toss over the ethics of this. And and beyond that, she really just has it to study, which I think is that is what Hermione would do. But at the same time, you got to be careful with that. The bumps that we're hearing right now were on Camp Bowie Road. And this was actually Boulevard. And this was actually a Great Depression public works project. And so rather than making the street logically with asphalt or whatever they make roads out of usually, it's made of bricks. And the reason for that is that it made a lot of jobs and people were available to work on it. But now in this used Prius, it's quite bumpy. (laughs) It's nice though, I guess it kept some people from starving. It looks cool, you know, which is, you know, aesthetically, I think it's what you want. The creature design in this movie, there's a couple creatures, monsters, if you will, that really stand out to me. One of which being Buckwheat. Is that what his name is? Uh, It's something like that. Buckwheat is a hippogriff, which is a mixture of a griffin and a horse. And so it's, it's like a Pegasus, but a lot cooler because it's a bird. I think the creature design of that's really interesting because it obviously has the form of a horse, but the front of it has a beak as though it were a bird. And its front feet, even though it's the shape and size of a horse, they're actually claws like a bird would have, which is really integrated interestingly. I think as a creature, I believe it, and it makes sense how that would exist and live, which I really, yeah, really enjoyed. The werewolf in it, Remus Lupin, the defense of dark arts professor, turns into a werewolf later. And I think that what's so unnerving about that, as a kid, I don't know about you, but I must have been 10 when this came out, and that freaked me out, man. He just like, out of nowhere, turns into a werewolf. I'm sure I knew what a werewolf was, but I don't think I'd ever had that level of proximity to one. And that just, it messed me up. (laughs) And I think one of the things that works well for it is that rather than just being a wolf, it's almost more man than wolf in his transformation because he grows larger and his facial features shape to be wolf-like, but he still retains the shape of a man which is unnerving. Well, he's very veiny and uh, he doesn't really have that much hair on his skin and that sort of thing, which is just really grotesque. It's not something that you want to look at just generally. (laughs) Well, and as as an educated man, I understand that Remus Lupin, his name is actually Remus. Yeah, it's Remus Lupin. Yeah. It's a lot of foreshadowing because lupus is actually the Latin word for wolf. And beyond that, his name of Remus, Romulus and Remus, who were the founders of Rome, were supposedly raised by wolves. And so the the Remus Lupin, it's it's an allusion to him being a werewolf. I, I don't know the history specifically, but I'm willing to bet that they probably weren't actually raised by wolves because <laughs> I don't think that makes much sense. Oh, this road is messing me up. <laughs> I hate it when they like cut a lane off 
but they don't change the color of it. Yeah. You know, or the stripes remain. It's it's tricky. So we're pulling up to the Starbucks drive-through. Oh my goodness, there is quite the line. Beep, 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 beep. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pull in here. And then back out. And then Ooh. I'm gonna back out. Six point turn. There is one. Look at that dog. I think one of the most formative parts about Harry Potter for me is Harry Potter Puppet Pals, which is the YouTube video. I'm sure you remember oh that. Oh my gosh. But you've got you've got a puppet show of finger puppets of the Harry Potters. <laughs> and they start to sing. And I, I remember when YouTube came out everybody and their dog had seen that video. And if you go on it now, it only has like a hundred million plays, which is a lot of plays, don't get me wrong. But as a kid, I just thought everyone in the world had seen that one. Uh -huh. I think everyone in the world has. Like how many views do you think that that video has? It's, it's like, it's in the millions. It's definitely, I think it's around a hundred if I had to guess. But I remember thinking it was a big number. But the ultimate showdown, do you remember the ultimate showdown uh -huh, of ultimate uh -huh, history, uh -huh. ultimate destiny? That video doesn't have nearly as many plays as you would think. It's <laughs> it's kind of astonishing because I still have it. I still have it memorized. <laughs> the the ultimate showdown, for those of you that don't know, it's a, it's a song by Lemon Demon about a you, showdown. You know the artist? Yeah, it's Lemon Demon. He um he has a couple other songs, it's none of which are as good, but they're they're still there. But there's these dozens and dozens of characters across mediums and TV shows and movies, and for some reason they're all fighting to the death. And so in this song, there there's just there's an ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny. And as a kid, I was really into Chuck Norris. Uh -huh. I, I think it was just the jokes or whatever. I'd never watched the show. I don't even think I've ever seen a movie with him, but he gets killed in this. I think that Indiana Jones crushes his head with his thighs. No, Batman crushes Indiana Jones. I, I, I don't know. I don't have it recalled. I'm gonna have to research the lyrics for next time. But Mr. Rogers, ends up surviving above the rest. <laughs> and so he's standing there with a bloodstained sweater and a machete. But as a kid, that just really got to me. Yeah. I don't know. I just, as a, as a conceit, I don't think, I don't think he would stand. He beat up Batman, beat up the Teletubbies, low pants, Superman, every single Power Ranger. Mm -hmm. It's messed up. I feel like having a viral hit like that or Harry Potter Puppet Pals, it's probably bittersweet because despite how many views those have, that's before you could really make money off of something like that. Mm. And I think there's a perfect window in the history of the internet. And I mean, I think we're still in it and it will continue, but where people just got ridiculously rich off of their viral videos. Like the, what's the girl's name? The catch me if you can. No, catch me out, catch me outside. The catch me outside. Catch me outside. She, she made like a million dollars off of a record deal from that, which is really. I respect that. I would do that. Yeah. If I was 13, had a million dollars, I would not have a million dollars today. <laughs> I would have substantially less than that. <laughs> 
I think the reason Harry Potter works is just because it's such it's such a rich world, mm-hmm. obviously, but Harry Potter doesn't know about the world nearly as well as his cohorts. Mm-hmm. And so there's moments when he sees Sirius Black on a newspaper and he's like, who is that? And everyone's like, you idiot, Harry. It's <laughs> absolute idiot. It's some famous murderer. And he just, he doesn't know. And I think a point of view character like that is really important in a work of fiction because you learn as he learns yeah. rather than it beating you over the head with it in a way where it would never be said or expressed, uh-huh. you know? I think one of the things that helps this movie specifically, and I think a lot of it's the direction, Alfonso Cuaron directed this, who also directed Gravity and Children of Men, which I think is, is one of his strongest films, but there's so much happening in the film in the background. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, they enter this cafe and there's this gentleman stirring his tea with a spoon with magic. Yeah. And so he's not just stirring it with the spoon. He's not just stirring it with magic. He's using the spoon to stir it with magic. Yeah. And there's, there's no real reason for that to be to happen. It doesn't really dwell on it, but there's a load of stuff like that just happening in the background that really makes it feel like a real world to me. Definitely. I also like in that scene how he's just reading just nonchalantly A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. Just just because he, he needs a better understanding of the of the natural world. It makes sense. I mean, you've got the the witchcraft and wizardry, wizardry, but at the same time, you got to have you got to have some scientific and physical physical founding for this. So, so on the sign of the Starbucks, there's a little a board. What would you call that? Like a yeah, a little easel or like an easel, and it says "Fall for All." Ooh. And so we're being advertised the pumpkin spice latte the pumpkin cream cold brew or the salted caramel mocha frappuccino. They just threw that last one in there. That is not, that is not not a a fall beverage. So I want, I would like mine without whipped cream. That is possible. Coward. Whenever you, uh, whenever you get to that. That's fair enough. I'm gonna roll the window up because it's windy. I thought it was time as well. I think that I think that movies and I think Spider-Man did this and I think this did this. It just makes me realize how boring life is. Yeah. You know, cuz you got this wizard, he's got this quest, he's got all this magic and these friends. And I remember when I was a kid, I don't remember what I was watching, but I was watching some adventure movie and I remember thinking I'm never going to go on an adventure. Yeah. And like We've been camping and like, we've had some adventures, but I've never had to fight uh, whatever, whatever Voldemort is, some kind of dark wizard. Hi, could I have a pumpkin spice latte without the cream, the whipped cream? And could I also have a pumpkin spice latte, but with the cream? Well, they're gonna be hot rice. Um, both will be hot, please. Right, anything else? I think that's it. Right, what's your doing there? Thank you very much. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. See, I like cold beverages, but a lot of the times the ice just makes it watery. Mm-hmm. If they would freeze it, like if they would freeze the pumpkin spice latte into ice cubes, 
that would be lit. I've never had the I've never had the foresight to do it, but I love the idea of taking juices and freezing ice cubes out of them. Or some, or some kind of flavor that makes it better. Like instead of, say you had iced tea, right? Instead of putting water ice cubes in your iced tea, what if you had like lemon juice or some, some sort of complementing flavor uh, that just made it all the better, you know? See, I remember as a kid, certain forms of alcohol, I don't know what proof it needs to be, but alcohol above a certain proof doesn't freeze. And I remember a kid telling me a story, and this is how I know that, about how one of his maids or something like that had drank their expensive vodka in the freezer, but filled it with water and so that that it showed. And I don't really think that that actually happened. I think that's a story this kid's mom told him to keep him away from her vodka. But I like the sentiment of it. Oh my gosh! Mommy's mommy's special water, as she'd have called it. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know if she would have called it that. But that's what that's what my friend Aiden always calls vodka. <laughs> it's mommy's special vodka. <laughs> mommy's special water. <laughs> well, yeah. Like you're saying though about the Harry Potter and and not you know like we're never going to be able to go on an adventure and all of that. Like if you were in Harry Potter's world. And you were going to school at Hogwarts, like you wouldn't study either. You know, everyone always says, you know, they would like be learning all of these spells all the time. They'd be like, oh, man, I'd I know everything. And then I I'd just, you know, make my make my broom, clean my room for me and everything like that. But it's like you just you'd be just as lazy at Hogwarts as you are in your normal school program. We have access to all of the information that's ever existed in the history of the world. You can just Google anything and become an expert in it. Uh huh. And I spent three hours looking at memes yesterday and I couldn't even tell you any of them. <laughs> it's that bad. I didn't even save any on my phone. Yeah. None of them were none of them were nearly memorable enough. I could have become that much more skilled at a task. I could have become that much more knowledgeable about world events. Uh-huh. But my meme clout through the roof. That's all that really matters though. Utterly through the roof. I feel like there's a lot of things like pumpkin spice lattes that are seasonal. I don't know. I think they have it all the time, don't they? I think it is seasonal. I but, that, but I can't be sure. But that don't need to be, you yeah, know. I yeah. think my my favorite candy that people love to hate on candy corn. The candy corn is delicious. Delish, right? People love to hate on it. It's it's just processed sugar. That's all it is. But that's all candy is. Oh my gosh, we're out the window. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is the biggest moment of my life. Do you have cup holders? I do. There. Got one cup holder. Check this out. Uh huh. Got two cup holders. There. Got three. With the whipped cream? No whip. No whipped cream. Okay. You got it? Yep. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, it's in my hand and it's warm now to not wreck on the way home. 
What are your first impressions of this drink before you've opened it? It's presentation. It's I love it's the form. I love the little thingy in the in the mouth spout. I don't know what you would call that. The the little drink hole. I feel like normally I would call it a stir straw, but I feel like it has added utility in that it's blocking. Yeah, it's like to make things not spill or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't really go to Starbucks that often, so maybe these are maybe these are all things that are normally a part of it. But it, there's a mermaid. It's just so clean looking. I have to say, like the whole presentation of the cup and the lid and the the little heat resistive thing. They don't tell you this but the mermaid's actually naked. Is She's it? just wearing her hair as clothes. Oh my gosh. There's actually a video game character called Bayonetta, and she has a really interesting design because her whole outfit, and it, it looks like she's wearing like a leather leather jumpsuit, catsuit almost, but it's all made of her hair and her ponytail, uh-huh. which is really kind of interesting. It's one of those. One of those creative things that some guy, the video game studio, was like, what if she's made of hair? Someone was like, that's a great idea. And it is, I think that is a really good idea. But I respect the, I respect the candor of that man's manager to take that suggestion seriously. Yeah. I feel like a lot of great ideas have been shot down just by someone in middle management who didn't get it. <laughs> it's like FedEx, the guy who came up with FedEx, he's like, okay, We've got all of these commercial flights that are going back and forth across country that have a ridiculous amount of cargo space left over. Let's load it with packages and integrate that into a national delivery infrastructure. And he wrote this as a presentation and a pitch at a Harvard Business School class. And he got a C on the presentation. Oh my gosh. But eventually he made FedEx. I've noticed this drink, I, I didn't catch the name of it that just drove by, but the energy drink. And it's interesting because it says it has 30% less sugar than Under Armour sports drink. Uh -huh. But I don't think it's related to that drink. I think they just randomly picked the Body Armor sports drink to compare it to, which yeah. I don't, I don't know. I Occasionally I'll have an energy drink. I, I really like the taste of Red Bull. I don't, I don't really think I'd like it by itself, but I think as a kid, people had like t-shirts of it. And so I, I drank it enough to like it. But the other day, I you should drink Diet Red Bull though. Red Bull has a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> but I tried a Bang, which is another energy drink. And on it, I always look for the caffeine content just cause you know, Red Bull's 75, which is about the same as a cup of coffee, uh -huh. which is reasonable. You know, I'm not, not bouncing off the walls. But this bang, it doesn't say the caffeine content on the can. It just says, you shouldn't drink this if you have any medical conditions. Not, not pregnancy, not nursing. Doesn't spell them out exactly. Any medical conditions. And apparently it has 300 milligrams of caffeine in the can. And you're really not supposed to have, I think 400 is the healthy limit of the day. Oh my this, gosh. They just, I don't know, they just kind of snuck through it. Take it away, Ernie! <laughs> There's a triple-decker bus. See, in Britain, they have double-decker buses, and they make them red for some reason, but 
rather than having a bus that has twice as many people on it, they make it twice as tall. Uh So there's that much more room, or I guess there's that much more room for people. But I was thinking about it. They don't have those in America, but at least in Boston, they have they have buses that are double length, mm-hmm. you know, so there there's one and then behind it is one without the driver's cab. And in the middle, there's kind of a like a little link. It's like a pivot almost. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably more efficient. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know that, but I feel like if the double decker buses really made sense, they'd have them here. Uh-huh. And occasionally you'll see a coffee shop in one. But I've never seen anyone driving one, which just leads me to think, I don't know, it can't be the best. Yeah. Buckwheat, so Malfoy, right? Lucius Malfoy, no, Franco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy is an adversary of Harry Potter's. Uh-huh. He's not the he's not the main antagonist of Voldemort, but he's he's a kid that's kind of a little crap. And in one part of this, He's he's fighting with buckwheat, which is the hippogriff we were talking about. And reliably, uh, this is just folk wisdom here, but you shouldn't fight wild animals. And so buckwheat scratches him and he gets all upset. And so he gets his father, who's rich and powerful, to make a big fuss so that they have to they have to execute the bird. And it's Hagrid, Hagrid the giant's bird who's who's a sweetheart you know it attacked draco but a he had it coming and b don't mess with wild animals but when when he gets set to be executed you know they don't shoot it in the head they don't inject it with something they have this executioner come with this ragged hood in this enormous axe. And it's not just like a fireman's axe. It's it looks specific for beheading things. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because I don't know if he executes people all over or if he just executes animals that have committed wrongs. But I like the ceremony of this executioner that they have. Yeah. And the minister of magic, who's like the prime minister of this whole wizarding world, even shows up to this execution. And I, I think the amount of ceremony they have to, to essentially put down this horse is incredible. Well, it's very interesting too, because like they don't even stir their their tea with with their hands, you know? So why why should I believe that they execute people with axes? It's just more fun probably. I think, I don't know. He was just chewing the scenery, man. He was having a great time. So we're pulling back up to the house. We're stepping inside. Oh my gosh, I'm so ready for this. Yeah. Still warm. See that lady that sued McDonald's because the coffee was hot? I know a lot of people are like, wow, lawsuits are frivolous. What's up with that? It's actually, the problem wasn't necessarily that instance of the coffee being hot. 
But supposedly they had complained in the past, not just this woman, but lots of people all over the place had complained about the coffee being a ridiculous level of hot. And so there'd been repeated, repeated complaints about it so that by the time the sweet old lady gets burnt, they're, they're, they're over it. They're like, it's, it's time to punish McDonald's. Well, have you ever seen the pictures of her burns? You know, I think I have. I don't recall them, but they're grotesque. Like I, it I was not it. it was not an uncomfortable situation where like some hot liquid was poured on you and you have to go home and change your clothes. It was like she got like like second degree burns just from her coffee, like like some serious business there. So I'm I'm looking at the lid of this. And I'm about to uncover the, the stir stick stopper and it pops out. I smell it. It smells like coffee. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. I believe it. I get it. Uh-huh. This is... I understand the hype. I understand it. It's good. It tastes like... I don't know. I, I understand why this is the mascot of preppy white girls everywhere. Yeah. I think it makes sense. It's so delicious. Well, I feel like there's there's pumpkin beers that really just kind of taste like beer, but with like a hint of something else. Mm -hmm. But this just tastes like it's completely different. I think the the Dementors talking about ethical concerns in this world. The Dementors are these ghoulish prison guards of Azkaban, which is essentially the Alcatraz of, of Harry Potter. It's mm -hmm. this, I don't know, it's this mythical prison that's in a un, unstated location where they send all of the worst criminals. And early on in the movie, Harry has this encounter with one of them that legitimately tries to suck his soul. His, it's his happiness. It's sucking away happy memories from his being. It's it's really incredible. Well, in I feel like the fact that you would do this to a prisoner is cruel and unethical. Mm -hmm. But they're so unhinged that when one of them gets loose... It just attacks little Harry Potter, 13-year-old Harry Potter, and it just has a has a scoop. Like at the end of the movie, when they're they're fighting the loads of them, it flat out sucks Sirius Black's soul out. Yeah. Like, like not only does his happiness come out, but you see his soul come out as a little shiny ball. That's how you know. Mm -hmm. that's, absolutely. Well, that's what souls look like, right? Like that's been, I think that's the only uh, like dramatization of a, of a soul that I've ever seen. And I think it, it looks how I think it, a soul would look. I think that I was watching the Nightmare on Elm Street the other day, which is the, the horror movie where Freddy Krueger, he, he attacks people in their dreams mm -hmm. and he doesn't get into it in that movie. But in the later sequels, he's very into stealing people's souls. He's like, I'm going to get your souls. And you you don't really know what that means at first. But later he takes his shirt off 
And on it, he's he's scarred all over because he was a child murderer in and understandably, the children's parents got a little upset. And so they locked him into a boiler room and burnt him alive. OK, first off, I can't say that's understandable by itself. Yeah. You need a little bit of context. He got tried, but it turns out someone didn't sign a search warrant in the right place. And so he got off. Oh, which really isn't really isn't how that would work. But then they burnt him alive, uh-huh. which I feel like it's fair enough at that point. Mm-hmm. But well, it's like the Miranda rights. You know, you have to read someone the Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. You have the remind. Re- the, yeah, all of them. Have, yeah, you know the the Miranda rights. But if you don't read someone the Miranda rights, there's kind of this popular conception that you get to go free. That's not how it works. <laughs> I think there's some ramifications if your rights aren't read to you, but you don't just get away with murder. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think a very common myth. I don't know if it's a myth. I think it's probably true in college in high school is that if your teacher doesn't show up for the first 15 minutes of class, it's everywhere. Legally, you're allowed to leave. You're allowed to leave at any point. (laughs) You really are allowed to leave at any point. You're an adult. Or if you're in high school, you're like a lame adult. Yeah. I guess the the theory there is that they're not allowed to to hold any of the information that's presented uh, directly. Like, for, you're, they're not allowed to hold you responsible for mm-hmm. the information that's presented in that lecture. I think that's one of those things that a lot of people have said, but that's never been legitimized anywhere. Mm-hmm. At Tufts, people people would say we had a shuttle called the Joey. Right. There used to be a shuttle service called Joey Shuttle or something like that. Mm -hmm. And 20 years later, it's gone. It's not Joey service anymore. But there's a shuttle that takes you from Tufts to Davis Square, which is probably 30 minutes, 20, 20 to 30 minutes to walk, depending on where you are. But people would always say, if you got hit by the Joey... Tufts gets paid for by you, by the <laughs> by the school. Uh-huh. And I definitely heard that or variations of it where people are like, yeah, if you get hit by a car, you know, you get your you get your school paid for you. And I mean, I think that's not true, but I think it's something I definitely heard a lot. I definitely heard very similar things, uh, but it was just like any car on campus, like you would just get your school paid for People in Boston drive and cross the road like madmen. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, when I would drive across the road in Boston, so would I. But it's amazing that no one I know in Boston has ever been hit by a car. But the way the people I know in Boston cross the street combined with the way people in Boston drive, that's a miracle. <laughs> that's an absolute miracle. Yeah, people are kind of uh, kind of dumb. I think that people always complain about where people how people drive in specific areas. I think people just drive poorly everywhere and people just single it out when they go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like somebody from Boston, maybe visiting uh, here would probably say that we drive too slow. Well, so they would say we drive enough. We probably drive too fast. The speed limits are, are lower there. They're never. I don't think they go above 65, actually, unless it's like on the out on the highway. But uh-huh. 
it's just different. Yeah. I was at a I was at a water polo game for my cousin yesterday. He tore it up, by the way. They won both. But someone was yelling at the ref. And being a ref must be a bad job. Oh my because gosh. the ref has never made a good call. I've never been at a game and heard anyone be like, good wow. Call, ref. Good call. Great call, ref. You're doing it. It's just it's your job to get yelled at by overeager parents <laughs> living out their dream of being an athlete through their children. <laughs> it's always very funny. Yeah. I, I don't think I really noticed it as a kid, but the parents at sports games are very, very into it sometimes. This is dangerous. I, I think I could see how one could not afford a house after drinking one of these things. These got their Starbucks, man. Yeah, their Starbucks and their avocados. Starbs. Like, I could see myself just buying uh, an, an infinite amount of these. They're, they're quite delicious. We need to figure out how to make it. Mm. And then fill a camelback with it. Mm. And then just wear a backpack all over the place. I just agree. so that you can have a constant, constant flow. I was I was trying to get some queso yesterday. Not trying. I did have queso, but I had a drink and I was having a problem where the chips and the queso were in the center of the table. So I had to reach over my drink to get the queso. And whenever you get queso or any kind of salsa in the middle of the table, you know, you kind of have to do this acrobatics with the chip to make nothing drip. And the drink was just kind of in the way. And I was thinking, I don't know if you've ever seen the helmets that people have with the beer cans on each side. Mm -hmm. And so there's the beer can on each side and then a straw that goes down that you can drink. In that moment, I understood that. I understood why that would why that would work. Yeah. Well, also, it's just cool to have beer cans on your on the sides of your head. I feel like it is cool to have beer cans on the side of your head. Duffman on The Simpsons, the mascot of Duff Beer. I don't think I ever watched The Simpsons. Really? Really, really. That was my that was my favorite show as a child. I think my mom just found it quite inappropriate for a child to be watching. So I never got around to it. Mm -hmm. Well, so I never watched it as a kid. Right. And then, you know, you kind of grow up and then it's like, eh, I'd rather watch other things. But... The thing that I think I got from The Simpsons, other than just being a mischievous little fourth grader, as Bart Simpson is, was an astounding knowledge of pop culture. Mm. Because that show is so referential to things happening at the times and different events, different concerts, different celebrities and people that... It's things that I would never have had exposure to being born when I was, but I feel like I have a lot of knowledge of cultural events surrounding the times when those episodes were made yeah. without necessarily having experienced them or worked with them firsthand, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting because I think that, I don't know, I think a lot of my, my conception with pop culture was shaped through that. Mm-hmm. The, the cartoon spy show Archer, it's always a running joke that he has an encyclopedic knowledge of pop culture. And I obviously I'm not at that level, but I always did think it's funny because I think a lot of that for me did come from watching The Simpsons because mm -hmm. it's like Alec Baldwin would have a cameo and it's like, who's Alec Baldwin? And so I'd look into who Alec Baldwin was. 
with the with the power of the internet the power the magical power of the internet well and then i would read one paragraph on wikipedia and internalize that and then after that i would probably misremember it but from that i would have an infinite an infinite power wikipedia is a lot of fun it's have you ever played that game of like you try to get to to hitler to hitler in as few clicks as you can. Explain that for us. So there's a game on Wikipedia. Well, it's not like a game on Wikipedia, but it's a game that you can kind of play using Wikipedia. It's a game on Wikipedia. Where you go to an article and then using the hyperlinks in that article, you try to get to Adolf Hitler's Wikipedia page as quickly as you can. And it's it's harder than you think it would be, you know, because you, you would, you know, you might start somewhere like at a like the Wikipedia page for a bridge or a building or a country or just some random place. And then you're just clicking around and then suddenly you find yourself at Adolf Hitler. OK, so in spirit of this show, I think what we should do mm -hmm. is start out at the pumpkin spice latte, the pumpkin spice latte or. Uh, and then we and try then to get to basket. Hitler. And then from Hitler, I think we need to get back mm -hmm. to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I think that's a way that's going to be challenging, but it's going to be challenging. Can we take a tally? I'm wondering if I have something to write it down. I think we'll I think we'll just try and remember the steps. Okay, so we're on wikipedia.org. Wait, wait. We are in en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash main underscore page. And so from here, we're going... Otherwise known as the main page of uh, English Wikipedia. The main page of English Wikipedia. I'm even going to full screen it so we lose the distractions of the time <laughs> and whatnot. But... Pumpkin spice latte. Pumpkin spice latte. There's a Wikipedia page for it. The pumpkin spice latte is a coffee drink made with a mix of traditional autumn spice flavors, steamed milk, espresso, and often sugar topped with whipped cream and pumpkin spice. All right, I think for rules, I think we have to pick in the main, uh, the whatever that's called, the main article, the, so what the introduction. Just, what yeah. I was just on to. Yeah. Okay. I think if we go with Starbucks, that could lead us to the United States, possibly, because it's headquartered in the United States. I think you should read the first sentence, and we'll trade off on this, but I think... Starbucks Coffee. Starbucks Corporation is an American multinational chain of coffee houses and roastery reserves headquartered in Seattle, Washington. Okay, so from there, looking at the hyperlinks, right, we have chain, coffee houses, roastery reserves, second wave. Okay, so Starbucks is seen to be the main representation of the United States' second wave of coffee culture. Second wave, Second Reich, Third Reich, Hitler. Okay, that I see, I see the connection, but I think it'd be quicker if we went... What, do you see Italy? Italy. During the early 1980s, they sold the company to Howard Schultz, who after a business trip to Milan, India, Milan, 
Italy decided to make the coffee bean store a coffee shop well, serving espresso-based drinks. Howard Schultz, is that a German name? I'm really not good at telling where names are from. Schultz does sh- sound uh, kind of German. I think Italy, though. I, and again, I'll let you decide because I chose the last one. But I think that Italy. Let's go. Let's go with Italy. Let's go with Italy. Oh, it's Milan, oh, Milan Italy. Italy. Oh no. Okay. Milan is a city in northern Italy, capital of Lombardy, and the second most populous city in Italy after Rome. Okay. Western I'm going to control Empire. F and just see if they were invaded because I feel like Italy was invaded, right? Second World War. Okay, but it's not in the main thing. Oh, you're right. You're I th- right. Are we still going by that no, rule? No, I think that's I think we do need to follow that rule. Okay. Well, I think we could go with Italy. Okay. Again, or Olympics, Winter Olympics? Oh no, but 2026 though that'll be specific to that Mm -hmm. it actually doesn't have a link straight to italy because it says northern italy in italy in italy after rome let's go with that okay so italy for those that you that don't know is a country consisting of a peninsula delimited by the alps and surrounded by several islands okay okay Western Europe. Western Europe. Enclave. Third most populous. Third. Third Reich. Hitler. Okay. Hear me out, though. Western Europe. I think World War II, though. That has to come up. That's Mm -hmm. one of the big parts of Western Europe. Oh, no. There's there's not a lot. Western Europe is the region comprising of the western part of Europe. Though the term Western Europe is commonly used, there is no consistency on which countries comprise it. Okay. I think we just have to go back to Europe. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. This is what we need. Oh, my gosh. There's so many. Europe is a continent located in the entirety of Northern Hemisphere and an Eastern Yermosphere. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay, let's see if there's... Okay, here's some wars right here. Oh, my God. It's got to be here. This is like a big thing. Both world wars. Okay. World wars. That's it. We're two to okay. three away. Wait. Oh, my gosh. A world war is a war engaged in by all or most of the principal nations of the world. And right there, I see below that is World War Two. World War II, for those of you that don't know, also known as the Second World War, was a global war that lasted from 1939 to 1945. Okay. Okay. I see the Holocaust. I see genocide. Nuclear weapons. You see Nazis? Um, Holocaust will take us there, though. That's, okay, but we, we want to get, get there. there. Stalingrad. We're in... Adolf Hitler. Suicide of Adolf Hitler. Okay, so from the suicide of Adolf Hitler, the death. Adolf Hitler, in a hyperlink, was an Austrian-German politician who was the leader of the Nazi Party, Chancellor of Germany to 1933 to 1945, and Fuhrer of Nazi Germany from 1934 to 1935. We made it halfway. Halfway. So we made it from pumping spice latte to Hitler. Now we need to make it from Hitler 
to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Arguably the greater challenge. That's going to be a little bit trickier. I think that we need to get geographically back to Britain Uh because Harry Potter takes place in the British one. Yeah, so I think if we... I see Europe right there. Okay. Uh, World War II in Europe. That might be all one hyperlink, but unless you see some other... Um, I think that's going to be it. Yeah. World War II in Europe. The European theater of World War II was an area of heavy fighting across Europe, starting with Germany's invasion of Poland on the 1st of September 1939 and ending with the United States, the United Kingdom, and France conquering most of Western Europe, the Soviet Union conquering most of Eastern Europe, and Germany's unconditional surrender on the 8th of May 1945. That was a bit of a run-on sentence if I'm being real. Okay, I think we go to the Allied Powers. Allied Powers. Okay. Okay, the Allied Powers uh, called the United Nations from the 1st of January 1942 declaration were the countries that together opposed the Axis powers during the Second World War. Okay, so we have the United Kingdom there. Now that's an obvious choice. Maybe. That was, that's going to be great audio. That's going to be great. People are going to love listening to us digest this. Okay. Now hear me out. Okay. Do you see anything that's like move that the movie of that event would be in the influenced by in the main article in the main headline here? I see the attack on Pearl Harbor. You know, maybe if we could get to the movie of attack on Pearl Pearl Harbor, Harbor, I could get to the movies. I like it. The attack on Pearl Harbor was a surprise military strike by the Imperial Japanese Navy Air Service upon the United States, a neutral country at the time, against the naval base at Pearl Harbor in Honolulu, territory of Hawaii, just before 800 on Sunday morning, December 7th, 1941. Do you like the military time there? Oh, 800. Okay. This did not. No, I don't see the movie. That was a good thought, though. Okay. British Empire. Or there's United Kingdom still. I think if we don't get there from Britain, we need to go from America. Because we made the movie. Okay. You're I think welcome. we go to United Kingdom first. I United think. Kingdom, right here? Yeah. Tom, okay, the United Kingdom is a sovereign country located in the northwestern coast of the European mainland. Come on, it has to talk about its movie industry. It has to talk about Harry Potter. That's like the most significant cultural output of United Kingdom in the past 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like the original office, maybe? No. Yeah, Harry Potter's probably bigger. There are 14 British overseas territories. Power, influence, permanent member, Interpol. Man, this is tricky. See, I think the thing is about Hitler is Hitler is interlinked and related to a lot of world events, Mm -hmm. whereas Harry Potter is a little more... Well, I think it's very easy to go from... I think there's a lot of references to bigger topics within articles, but there's very few topics that reference smaller things. Right. You know... Okay, so we already went to the British Empire. Uh-huh. I think we're going to have to get lucky in kind of something specific. Yeah. 
Financial um, Center, Gringotts is a financial center. I don't think it's going to get that, but Gringotts is the fictional bank in the Harry Potter universe. What about London? Let's just do it. We got to do it. Do you see it? Yeah, London. Okay. London is the capital and largest city of England and the United Kingdom. Okay. Applied Sciences, Imperial if College, If you have anything London. about arts, She or... dropped out of Harvard. Or did she go to Harvard? Or am I mistaking that? I know... She went to Brown or, or, well, or who? J.K. Rowling? Yeah, or? because the, the, the dining hall of that supposedly resembles the place in Harvard. I actually found a student ID at Harvard, and it was a lady, but she somewhat looked like me. And I tried to get into their dining hall, but it didn't work. <laughs> Just an aside about that dining hall. Okay, so I see a lot of West End theaters. Theaters? It's got to get us to movies somehow. Theater. So the West End Theater is a mainstream professional theater staged in the large theaters in and near the West End of London. You think theater might take us to movie? or English-speaking world. Um, so I feel like theater is going to be related to pop culture because mm -hmm. I think this is the right theme. Or, and there's Broadway. Mm. There, was a, there was a play of Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Uh -huh. I think we go to Broadway. Okay. Broadway. Broadway theater, also simply known as Broadway, refers to the theatrical performances presented in the 41 professional theaters, each with 500 or more seats, located in the theater district and Lincoln Center along Broadway in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. You ever been to Broadway? I have not. Have you been to Manhattan? I have not. I've never been to New York City. we got to go to New York City. It'd be fun. Okay. 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 There's no... American popular culture. I was just going to point that out. I think we should go to American popular culture. But there's also Oscar Hammerstein. Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. Right. Big musicals. Big musicals. Um, I knew this girl in college who was like, yeah, I know that people like Rogers and Hammerstein musicals. And I get that. But I actually know a lot about musicals, so I don't. Uh-huh. Which is... Wrong. Yeah. The Sound of Music, absolute, a, absolute banger. It's a masterpiece. I I was in the play in high school. No, in, in middle school. And I played Friedrich, who was the fourth of the Von Trapp children. Oh. And I really wanted to be Dolph, who was the Nazi boy. Uh -huh. And I think that's just because he had a romance plot with a girl that I thought was cute. <laughs> But I think it's kind of funny that I really wanted to be the Nazi in the play, in hindsight. <laughs> I was an incredible actor. I still am. Okay. So it goes back to theaters. It's like the, the Starbucks uh, heat things look a lot like Nazi armbands. <laughs> if you really think about they it. They really do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, wait. I think it's got to be American popular hey, culture. Because like that. people watch movies, read books. Oh no, there's not a lot. The culture of the United States of America is primarily of Western origin, but is influenced by a multicultural ethos that includes African, Native American, Asian, Pacific Island, and Latin American people and their culture. Okay. Uh, arts. Arts. I agree. Okay. That uh, that was a little bit of backstep. I think. 
Well, um, if it's visual arts, it actually didn't take us to arts. It I, was a hyperlink to the visual art of the United States. Okay. Movies have to, sh- like, I don't see movies immediately, but I feel like movies would be the obvious. I think, let's go with visual art. We're, okay, let's do it. Because we have to be right there to... Industrial design, graphic design. Like, movies are the only visual art that matters. Filmmaking, like, right film there. Filmmaking. Okay, oh no, there are no hyperlinks. There are no hyperlinks. In the... How do we want to play this? Okay. I think anything in this... Page? In this page is... Okay. Perhaps, then. So I think we have to admit that we just lost the game, but I think that we're going to have to... Game. We're going to... I lost the game. Wow. I lost the game. The okay. game is a game that everybody <laughs> in the world is playing at all times. You just don't know it. And you just don't know it. But to lose the game, to think about the game, is to lose it. It's really unfortunate. It is really unfortunate. But okay, so, so here, the it's the development of the stages of production, which... Okay, it selects a story which may come from a book, play, or an original idea. I think this is getting us much closer, actually. I, I feel like, to me, I want to go to stories which may come from a book. Mm-hmm. Because, let me see if it goes to book or... Okay, so it goes straight to book. I was wanting it to go to, like, an adaptation, but it, it doesn't. What is another film? <laughs> what is another film? So, so a lot of the times, there will be a highlight... A remake... Would that lead to, like, sequels or, like... Well, I don't think so, because I, it might say adaptation, but I don't know. Fairy but, tale? Or, you, know, you know, a series, because... Let's go for it. We're going to another film. A remake is a production of a film, television series, or video game, similar entertainment that was based on an earlier production. I think film is the only... A film. Okay, so film takes it to film director, which takes it to screenplay. Okay, let's go to screenplay. I think we're gonna have to get real adaptations. Okay. The derivative work. I don't see it in the immediate time, but surely, surely that's like the biggest adaptation of all time. Tell me book adaptations here, right? Television adaptation? Here, go theatrical the adaptation? Go to the discomfort. Mm. Contents. Or- How does that have television, radio, comic book, video game, and not book? Because there's a section that's adaptations for other sources, but I think they just dropped the ball. If anyone listening is a Wikipedia editor, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, we, we appreciate your work and everything that you've done. Uh, we're just thinking in this specific at, at in this specific page. There, there's you, a better you way. The ball. A better way. And I know we could we could become editors and, and do this ourselves. But J.K. Rowling. Okay. The Harry Potter film series. Okay, but this is not Alfonso Cuarón, who directed that. That's not going to be in his first page, though. Okay. Are we saying that this is fair game? We already we already made it. Like I think we already divulged from the the intro as a conceit. I think I think it has to be fair game. Okay. Let's do it. Harry, Harry Potter, Potter film, film series. series. 
Harry Potter is a film series based on the eponymous novels by author J.K. Rowling. The series is distributed by Warner Brothers and consists of eight fantasy films, beginning with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and culminating with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Okay. Alfonso, see, Alfonso Cuaron's name is there, who is the director again, but... Like, we can scroll down and see it. I just, I, I want to get there from the main page. But. Or what is the, what is this article? What is this? Harry Potter film series. No, what is this? Uh, what is that called? The, the intro? Yeah, the intro, the. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to think of which one of these might go into that. But Alfonso Cuaron, he's done much more substantial projects. Well, it usually shows there are like three to four notable ones when you go to the page of a director. But I think that that's like a, what do you think? What do we do? Mm. Wait a minute. In the content section, it goes to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which if we're going to divulge from just being in the intro, that'll get us there. Main article, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban film. Oh my gosh. We've made it. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a 2004 fantasy film directed by Alfonso Cuaron and distributed by Warner Brothers. That came out in 2004. I would have been seven when I saw that. I saw that in theaters. Uh, Yeah, I did too. That messed me up. (laughs) Werewolves are scary. Okay, I think we gotta go back to Hitler. I think we gotta go back to Hitler if we can do it in four. In four Four, things. Four things. Easy. Easy. Okay, first we have to find that it's in London or England or anything like that. Is there a setting, production? Production has to have it. I feel like this is another one of those things that's kind of universal, is the Hitler game. See, there's the word London, but... Lambeth Bridge in London. Well, if the Lambeth Bridge is in London, that'll take one of our clicks, but that's going to take us there. Like, within one click, we'll be in London. But I think it's already... Already here? Here. Okay. Differences from the book. My sister just texted me saying she listened to our podcast, but she doesn't think I make my bed every day. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Fair enough. The thing is, I'm the least tidy person of my family, but my family's like unreasonably tidy sometimes. (laughs) But I'm pretty tidy. Maybe you're just disgusting. Yeah. Harry Potter received two Academy Award direct nominations for best visual effects and original score. The visual effects in that were amazing. I was thinking it came out in like 2007 or 2008. That's, I think that the the effects work the best when the camera is somewhat moving dynamically because at the end when they're fighting the bunch of Dementors and the camera's kind of locked and you're focusing on it and there's all the different assets in the frame, some of those didn't look as good, but I was very, very impressed. Okay, okay. Um, So up here we have awards and things like that. Now hear me out. What if we went to an award like the Oscars or BAFTAs or things like that? Um, We got the British Academy Film Awards. And I'm thinking we go to something like Schindler's List. Schindler's List. From there. That's good. Which would lead us to... The Holocaust, World War II. Okay, so let's let's look at this. So, so how many clicks is that? Well, so think about the Academy Awards. This is one click, right? We haven't mm-hmm. clicked at all. Yeah. So the Academy Awards, usually it won't take us to a list of films that have gotten the Academy Awards. That's true. Or we will be able to get there within one click. 
I think we I, I think if we were on the page and there was something that got more specifically there, but I think we should just go to that. I think that's a good or or do we go to I mean Ralph Fiennes isn't in this movie yet. Because I'm just thinking of all the He was Hitler. He was well no, he was Schindler. I haven't seen Schindler's list. He was a Nazi. Schindler's List, I'm sure it's amazing, and I love Steven Spielberg. It's just one of those movies where I know when I sit down for it how I'm going to feel the whole Mm -hmm. movie and afterwards. And so it's hard for me. Like today, we sat down, and we're like, let's do a podcast, watch Harry Potter, and go get pumpkin spice lattes. But I'm not going to want to go get pumpkin spice lattes after I watch Schindler's List. See also list of films featuring time loops. There I feel like that's a dangerous be. rabbit hole. I think we got to go to the Academy Awards. I think that's the right, because that's one click. And Okay, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes. We, we, we got to go to the Academy Awards. Do you think that's I it? Think that's, uh, I think that's it. I just... I think okay, there has Lord to be Voldemort a better way. is there, and then Ralph Fiennes will go to that, which but would take think... us to... Hmm... You see what I'm saying, though? I think we, we're we in the number of clicks, though. Which know? is four. So if, if, we go to, if we go to Lord Voldemort, then Ralph Fiennes, then Schindler's List. I think Hitler's going to be on the Schindler's List? I don't think Hitler's going to be on the, on the Schindler's List. Is that the quickest way we... I think, I think we got to do Voldemort or... I'll play you for it. Let's do Voldemort. I'll play you. I want to do Academy Awards, but if you want to do Voldemort, I think we got to... I think we got to bite the bullet. Okay, let's do it. Rock. Well, no, let's do... I'll just, I was just going to secede and just go with the Academy Awards. Can we play Rock, Paper, Scissors just for fun? Just, yeah. <laughs> rock, Paper, Scissors, Shoot. Rock, Paper, Scissors, Shoot. I got you. Damn. Nick... Just play paper like a chump. <laughs> Scissors never loses. <laughs> I've literally never played anything except for scissors or paper. Because if my thesis that scissors never loses holds true, paper doesn't beat scissors. So I always do that. Okay. Milestones. Best International Film. Did it get nominated for Best Picture? I know it didn't win, but... Okay, wait. Hold, how old are the Oscars? Um, like 1906. Pretty old. I guess this page would tell us. I guess it they, would tell us. Wait, when did they come out? Since its inception in 1929. So that means it was around during World War II. That's true. So there might be... A, so three, like on a history page... Three clicks left. History. I think else? we got to get to Schindler's List, though. I think that's going to be. But do you see what I'm saying? If we can, if we can. Wait, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks doesn't get us there, does it? I mean, Ralph Fiennes might just be. Or no way, Ralph Fiennes. Or, or are we here. going to Schindler's List first? Well, so we have yeah. three more clicks. If we can get to Schindler's List. So one click, if we could get to Schindler's List, we could get to the Nazis and we could get to Hitler. But that's three, and we only have three left. Mm -hmm. Learning is so good. (laughs) Did you know that the 40th Academy Awards, originally planned for October 8th, 1968, was postponed for two days because of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King? Wait. Just in case you were wondering. I haven't been looking at the dates. 
Charlie Chaplin's on here. He kind of looked like Hitler. He played Hitler. It was kind of a whole shtick, wasn't it? Okay, best picture. Discontinued categories. I think there should be a stunt coordinator category. Because I know that people are like, if there's a stunt category, people will just do crazier stunts and get hurt. But that's the point of stunts. Like, that's all in good fun. And they're doing it anyways. I don't think there's any special effects stunt coordinator who's truly driven by the Oscar that wouldn't be driven to begin with. Okay, La La Land and Moonlight are on here, but I don't see Schindler's List. See, the problem is Schindler's List is a little bit removed from the public conscious by now. Not that it's not totally known, but... Okay, we have years. We have years. Oh Doesn't my go gosh. to 1945. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. See also list of Superlative Academy Award winners and nominees. What does superlative mean? Super late. Let's do I it. I don't know. <laughs> We've got two clicks left. Okay. Best picture. Best director. This isn't a list of all of them. Oh my gosh. List of oldest and youngest. Okay. Uh, I say we just do. Wait, we got to look for years. Look. It's the years these things are won. If we can get 1945. Because we have two clicks left. So if we can get to any of these years that were in World War II, we 1936, can get... 1938, I think that any of them it would surely come up on. But if we could get 45, that would be the best. 1939, 40, 46, 1965. 1939's when it started. I think we can get mm-hmm. from there to... So if we can get from 1939 to World War, wait, we have two clicks left. I think, I think go for 1939 through 45, and Hitler is undoubtedly going to be in that page. Okay, 1939. Just see if we see any movies in here that that are that are. It's not really any movies though. It's just um, name people. Well, I'm seeing some here on the. Ben Affleck was the youngest winner of an Oscar of all time for Best Original Screenplay for Good Will Hunting. Man, good for them. Him and Matt Damon wrote Good Will Hunting in college and won an Oscar for it. I didn't do anything in college. I think we gotta go to 1939. I think that's the most relevant year. Do it. Okay. We have two more clicks. Okay. Okay. No! It took us to the 12th <laughs> Academy Awards. It didn't take us to 1939. Maybe Hitler's in this. We have one. Hitler's got to be in here. I'm sure they didn't invite him, but he was important then. Academy Award honorary nominees. No, probably not. Oh, what have we done? Gone with the Wind came out. I feel like Gone with the Wind's one of those movies that people love. Seems kind of long. Time. See if we have we have one click, and that's it. So we we can control F it and see if he's on this page. Actually, for those of you that don't know, if you type in Control F, you can search the text of a page. H I T L. Oh no. No, he's not here. We lost. That's unfortunate. Well, that's it was a, fun. It was fun playing while it lasted. That's a good game. 
I feel like that's one of those things. I feel like there's a lot of times when I'm like, I need to be productive, but I don't want to be. So I read random stuff on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. which I feel like sounds like it would teach you a lot, but it's 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 odd to find things to read about on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's one thing if you have something you want to research and you get there by Wikipedia, but I think a lot of Wikipedia gets kind of insular at a certain point. Uh-huh. You know anyone who edits stuff on Wikipedia? I don't know a single person that has ever changed anything. Someone's doing it. I feel like there's a lot of people, though, that have random hobbies like that. Whenever I buy a book on Amazon, I always notice there's so many people that are writing reviews of it on Amazon. And I think that's a weird hustle to be like an Amazon book reviewer. But I figured out that I think a lot of people just want to have a quote on the cover of a book. Mm. You know, it's people that would never write a book, but they're like, if I have a sound bite that's that good, maybe it'll go on the cover. And that's what they aspire to. Exceptionally wonderful. <laughs> Exceptionally wonderful. Well, I'm reading this book right now called The Hunger by Alma Katsu, which it would make a great movie. I'm just saying that right now. Mm -hmm. But on the cover, it says deeply disturbing Stephen King. Oh, I feel like Stephen King saying your book is deeply disturbing. That's probably the best thing that could be on the cover. Well, I like how it's just deeply disturbed. Like those were he did not say nobody went up to Stephen King and they were like, oh, man, have you read this book? Like, what are your words? Like, what do you what do you have to say about it? And he's just he just like leans into the mic and he says, deeply disturbing. You know, that was not his whole thing. So they just took two words out of whatever he said and quoted him on it. Whereas he could have been talking in any sort of capacity about that book. He could have even not been talking about the book. You think so? You think about it. I am. Stephen King kind of got me into reading as an adult, but I knew he would like that book because the book is about the Donner Party, which Mm. was the pioneer expedition where they kind of got stranded and they had to eat each other. And Stephen King, it's called the Donner Party. I don't know if I said that, but he mentions that in his writing. I don't know about that often, but I know in the Shining novel, he brings up the Donner Party quite a bit. And so I remember when I saw that, I was like, of course Stephen King would like this book. Mm -hmm. See, the thing about the quotes, though, I think I realized something about the fallibility of media when I saw Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Because there's a scene when Fred, who Scooby-Doo is about a, a gang of mystery solvers, right? There's these five high school kids. I think they're college age by then. Wait, wait, hold it. You you recognize the fallibility of media. Purely with Scooby Two, Scooby Doo Two, Monsters Unleashed. I I distinctly remember this because <laughs> there is a scene when Fred something gets taken out of context in the media, and so he doesn't want to talk to them, and they're like, Fred, 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 can we get a comment? Can we get a comment? And he's like, No, if I say anything, you're gonna make it look like I think Coolsville sucks, <laughs> and they just cut it. And said, Coolsville sucks. <laughs> and I just remember as a kid, I was like, wow, makes sense. Yeah. They can think, take anything you say and spin it. I think the most memorable line of any movie ever 
was from Monster House. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember anything oh else gosh. about this movie, but it's a girl house. Well, so so the Monster House is this haunted house that it's like anthropomorphic. So it kind of has a consciousness and it's kind of alive. And they're downstairs and they see a hanging chandelier. And one of the characters is like, that's its uvula. And another character says, so it's a girl. And that's just such a great line. (laughs) Well, really, the house is a girl. If you do you remember the plot at all? I just remember that. And I I had the demo of the video game on Xbox Live. I think if I remember correctly, and spoilers here for those of you that that want to watch it this Halloween season. But I, I believe the old man that lives in the house buried his wife in the basement and like covered her up with cement as part of the foundation. So like she just became the house. You remember when the fat lady floated away in Harry Potter? Yes. (laughs) So Harry Potter's aunt is just being obnoxious and he's like, nah, I'm not having it. And he blows her up. Like Like, a balloon. Like a balloon. Not like a bomb. Not like a bomb. And she floats away. And they're like, you shouldn't have done that. But they don't really get him in trouble because they're like, yeah, like, you might as well. I got sent a video this morning. It was like one of those news bloopers, mm-hmm. you know, and it was uh, they were reading uh, a report about uh, like a bomb threat, a reported bomb threat at, okay. this, at this building. And apparently this guy went into the bathroom and he was like, I'm about to blow this place up. And people called that in as a bomb threat. <laughs> and they talked, apparently the police talked to him later. <laughs> and they said, <laughs> he was like, I was, I didn't, uh, sorry. I, I just, I thought I was going to blow the place up. I didn't mean to put anybody else in a panic or anything like that. You had to use the bathroom? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. Wow. But I think about that anytime the... The people are like, you blew up your aunt in Harry Potter. Have you like, ever have you ever been in a bomb threat or like? No, I, know I mean that, school lockdowns and that sort of stuff. But well, I remember a school near me, Arlington Heights, got like they all went outside because someone called in a bomb threat. Uh huh. I feel like if you ever well, really didn't study, like calling in a bomb threat, don't. But it's kind of a Hail Mary. So I remember I was in band in high school and I, I missed one of the band competitions that we were going to go do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently on the way to that specific competition, there was a kid on the bus that held up a sign out of the window that said, help, he has a bomb. <laughs> and uh, somebody called 911 on that. And uh, I think it, it kind of held up the held up the competition a little bit with with a little bit of the of the stuff but i, I believe he was uh, i think i think he was reprimanded quite substantially yeah got to be careful about that stuff yeah cuz it's really um i don't know what the legal definition of that would be but it's not great nope i mean i would probably call it in too if i was in the if i was in that person's situation as well like speed three yeah band practice speed two 
Speed. I've never seen Speed, but Speed is a movie about Keanu Reeves stopping a bus from blowing up. <laughs> I don't think he stops it. Well, I think... He's just driving it, right? Well, I think it can't go slower than 60 miles an hour. Maybe it's faster than that. But I think... I mean, I think if it ran out of gas, that would be a problem. I think if you were on the highway, maybe if there wasn't any traffic, that would be okay. But... No, I think I think of a bus. Well, I guess if it ever dropped below sixty miles an hour, because uh-huh. like within like best case scenario, you could drive it what for a couple hours mm-hmm. and like run it out of gas. But well, yeah, and buses too. Like that's they consume more gas than your Prius, so it's it's gonna be. I get such good gas mileage, but my <laughs> only complaint is. And again, this is very petty, but my car, the phone connects to Bluetooth. Uh So if I get a phone call, it'll play. But for some reason, I can't play music through it. Mm. And so it was made at a time when the phone could connect, but the, the music can't play through Bluetooth, which I have a cord. So I have an iPhone that doesn't have the aux cord port. And so I have a dongle. And I have an aux cord, a 3.5 millimeter to 3.5 millimeter that's plugged into the auxiliary port in my car. Uh But lately it's been really scratchy and it wasn't working. And so the other day I went to Walmart and I bought a new cord and I plugged it in. But it turns out my dongle is messed up, not the cord. So I have a broken dongle and two auxiliary cords. That's probably the worst position that you could possibly be in. If anybody needs an auxiliary cord, email in decadententertainmentpod at gmail.com. Or even if you don't need one. Even if you don't need one, reach out. We want to hear your thoughts. I feel like that would be a great relic. Mm-hmm. You could even like frame it. <laughs> I wonder if I would give them... So one of them is just kind of like a black cable, but the other is kind of braided, mm. you know, and I, I really like braided cords. I think that when braided cords are made well, it it keeps tension off of the main point. So it keeps the cord from fraying. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is structurally any different, though. I think that the cord part itself, not the pivot in the head is braided. So I don't think it really adds any structural integrity, but I like it. Yeah, it's a foot long, though, which is a little short. <sighs> But, it's, I mean, it's perfect for your car, though. I yeah. mean, you kind of don't want it to be any longer than you need because then you just have See, huge think, amounts of cord. I think a lot of things should be retractable. You know, <laughs> like if the cord had a variable length, because uh-huh. that would be good. There was there was actually someone was talking about if Spider-Man's webs, if he can change the length of them. Mm. So, like, when he's swinging, is it a fixed length and he has to hold it? Or is there some give and some variability? I think I think this is a topic that should have been brought up last week. I think it really should have been brought up last week. I feel like we're definitely going to watch another Spider-Man movie at some point, though. <laughs> Wait, so how many how many Harry Potter spells do you remember? Okay, so we've got Expelliarmus, mm-hmm. Avada Kedavra. Okay, in this movie, I think. In this movie, okay, so we had Expelliarmus, Expecto Patronum. Uh huh. They didn't do Wingardium Leviosa, did they? No. I don't... I'm trying to think, because a lot of them, once the wizards get to a certain point, I think if they internalize the thought or the emotion of the spell, they can cast it without saying it. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know. Do you remember any others? Yeah, so I think there was like uh, Arresto Momentum. I do remember that. When he someone's falling. Yeah, and then Immobilus. Immobilus! Uh, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. Does that count as a spell? I feel like it's an incantation. Okay, but what's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> Just a word. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, that's all I got. Stupefy. Stupefy. Wait, that one's that one wasn't in this one. I um I really like the character in this who's the psychic. So they're having a class and they're all reading tea leaves and Harry's is the grim. So uh-huh. it's it's the spooky wolf that Sirius Black turns into. But I think that one of my favorite things in movies and clearly the most clear example of it I can think of is in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But one of the characters is reading a book of astrology about the Zodiac. And so she's reading the Zodiac and it's talking about what's going to happen. And so it's like Saturn's in retrograde. All these scary things are going to happen. And as the title of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre would suggest, you know, some stuff goes down. Mm -hmm. But what I like is narratively, I don't think that the film is really acting like the the predictions of that were accurate because of astrology. I think it's just one of those like, wow, this girl's reading an astrology book and it happens to be right. But I I don't think narratively it's really paying much weight to that. Mm -hmm. And this lady is obviously correct because he does see the grim. But I, I do like it in movies when characters say something that either is true and people are like, nah, it's not, or that's just totally out there that ends up being right, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of fun. <laughs> I Foreshadowing, man. I want to go to a psychic at some point, but it's always expensive. It's always like 30 bucks for an hour. It, like if it was five bucks for like five minutes, I'd go in just for fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've never been to a psychic in Davis Square. There was actually a psychic and there was this blue neon sign and I always like taking pictures by it because it really put off a cool light, but mm-hmm. I never went in. I feel like it probably smells good, though, because I feel like the kind of people that are psychics are probably into, like, saffron incense and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that stuff smells well. You would hope. But maybe they don't have the money to to buy uh, all of the expensive, uh, what are those, essential oils and things like that. Crystals are kind of funny. I do, I do appreciate a good crystal, but I feel like probably this, not all that they're hyped up to be. I think the thing is with crystals to me is like, I think they're cool and I think they're really interesting from like a mineral standpoint and like a geological. Is geological rocks, what's the, what's the specific thing yeah, with rocks? Geology. geology. My sister had a rock tumbler. I forget what it was called, but it was like, it like rotated pebbles and it did something with them. I don't really remember other much other than that, but... Was it just for, like, noise? Like, white noise? No, it did something. Let me... Rock tumbler? Rock machine? Did it separate them? Kind of like a gold miner might, like... Or, rock or machine a panner? Toy. Rock polishing toy? 
Okay, so this... No, no, not that. Um, I don't know, actually. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong. It was something like that. <laughs> Children's toys are going to be so cool in the future. Yeah. Like, like, think of drones. Think of how cheap drones are now compared to, like, when they were not this ex- inexpensive. Think about if you had a drone that you wore glasses for that's first person that you can just fly around your house. Well, the thing is, though, I don't think you can predict the technology of the future. Like, everyone back in, like, the 60s was like, man, in the year 2000, we're going to be living on the moon and bubbles and we're going to be riding around in jetpacks and, you know, things like that. And it's like, they couldn't have even imagined having, you know, all of the world's computing power of that time in every single person's pocket, you know, and being making phone calls and, you know, all of these different things that are going on right now. Like that just wasn't even in their in their field of view. I think what's really interesting and, you know, I studied philosophy in college, so that's kind of how I've always been primed to think and the sort of stuff I look into. But whenever you read about the ethics of artificial intelligence, you'll read these writings in these books about artificial intelligence. They all come from the 40s, like the 40s and 50s, before computers even looked and functioned the way they do now. A lot of the philosophical questions and ponderings people had already thought of. Mm. And obviously not knowing the computing power and what happens today, But a lot of the arguments and the conversations that were brought up that early are still the conversation today, Mm -hmm. which I think is fascinating. Yeah. What were we talking about? Who knows? No, I I had a good point, though. It was about it wasn't (laughs) about technology. (laughs) No, it was about the future or technology. Oh, I feel like in a lot of dystopian novels, right? Like Uh Fahrenheit 451. We were talking about that a little earlier. But they have the TV walls where, Uh you know, you've got these crazy big walls that are kind of cool. And I think that a lot of the times there will be technologies in dystopian novels that when someone gets a TV, someone will be like, wow, it's like Fahrenheit 451. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of scary. And I think that the problem with that is that you're conflating the attack of the dystopian novel for everything that exists aesthetically in that world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, depending on what era it is, if you were to sit down and try and think about the future, regardless of the dystopia you're imagining, the future technologies that you thought of, a lot of the times are things that would naturally exist. Mm -hmm. And so whenever a dystopian novel, and the TV is just one thing I'm thinking of, but I think that there's others like that it's a logical thing when you're thinking about and predicting the future for that sort of thing to manifest. Mm -hmm. Like in minority report, the ads are like, Hey, Tom Cruise, you want to buy some perfume? (laughs) He's like, no, I'm on the run. (laughs) Do you know that the Fahrenheit 451, there was one edition with a book binding and asbestos. Oh, like an asbestos binding? Yeah, because asbestos is a flame retardant. 
I feel like there's a lot of stuff like that that we used for safety at the time that in hindsight we're going to be like, wow, <laughs> not good. Lead, you don't want to lick lead paint. It's like everyone thought like back in like the 1500s that like when they were eating tomatoes off of lead plates that tomatoes were poisonous, but it was... It was just the acids in the tomatoes sapping up all of the the lead. Well, I think the I think the fallibility of science throughout history is really funny. When you look at something that was considered the consensus at the time, mm-hmm. and then like Galileo comes out and he's like, "Listen up, gents. The sun does not revolve around the earth. <laughs> Vice versa." <laughs> Everyone's like, "You absolute satanist." <laughs> Turns Actually, out. though, because they're like they attached all of their worldviews and all of their values to that idea that the Earth is the center, and everything like their whole identity is the Earth being the center. I think that I think that one of the most interesting things of the Stephen King novel it that's woefully lacking from the movies is that the universe in it is actually a flat plane that's on the back of a turtle floating through space and it's crazy i i haven't read it but my general conception is pretty much that you think of the flat earth and think of the flat earth map now put that on the back of a sea turtle let me let me see if i can find a, an artist rendition or whatnot but i see i haven't even consumed any of the it media yeah. or anything like that. I've never watched the movie. I've never watched the or I never read the book. Okay, so in this photo that I'm showing the Nicholas, there's a sea turtle holding up five jumbos which are holding up a sphere of For the those Earth. of you that don't know, a jumbo is apparently an elephant. A jumbo is an elephant. Okay, I'm not finding the particular one, but I think it, it's pretty good. It, it, it. Prepositions. See, I went to one school for kindergarten through first grade. Mm-hmm. And when I learned everything they had to tell me, I went to another school from second <laughs> to fifth grade. And I think that prepositions might have been taught in second grade at the school I left in first grade from the school I went to because I never learned prepositions as a kid. And for some reason, everyone else did. Uh And so, I mean, obviously there's stuff from school that I missed and didn't remember, but that's something that I just, I just missed the ball on. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Do you just not know them now, like still? Like, will you just be like, I sit on the chair, I. S- I've read the Wikipedia page of them. Can you put that in the table? Well, I think I understand the use of them from context clues and whatnot, but I've I've read the Wikipedia entry on it a few times, but I don't think I've ever like nailed it mm. as far as internalizing it. Well, I was I was thinking if, about I mean, if you can't learn it now. It's not that being in first grade is the best time to learn it. It's just that they get taught that in first grade. You know, so I think if you can't learn it now, being a person of a 
like a I real mean, person. Be, you're you, you you're an educated man. You've gone to school. If you cannot learn about prepositional prepositional phrases from a Wikipedia article, you don't know. You know. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, you know everything that you should know about prepositional phrases, as yeah, I, as much as a second grader does. Yeah, you know, what? a second grader does not know more about pre- prepositions than you do. Probably not. Even kids that think they're smart are pretty stupid. Yeah. Until they get to a certain age, like there's like a 12 year old that graduated from TCU. That kid's probably pretty smart. I give him that. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying in general though, like the smarter than a second grader. Yeah. I remember as a kid, I was watching Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, and I always knew the class, the questions, and I was like, wow, these people are dumb. But I also realized that, and I was in third grade, mind uh-huh. you, I thought I was hot stuff, but I was also studying that stuff at the time. Yeah. So I think that the degree of removal, you get further and further from that stuff and you forget it. Yeah, you just but have I'll, to recall. Well, I also think the producers of shows like that know how to pick them, though. <laughs> you know, like if someone's got their, their glasses and their pocket protector and whatnot, pass on them. <laughs> I remember there was a big portion, and I don't know how long it was, but I remember a lesson in school where we learned the minutiae of the difference between translucency, transparency, and opacity. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about that today. That's a very odd thing of specific knowledge to take and teach to a kid. Yeah. Because it's really, I mean, obviously it's definitions and it's the meaning of the words, but it's not like they got into the Latin root words of it or taught us anything further. It was really just a random set of knowledge to teach them. And I don't know, I've never been a teacher. Yeah. But I feel like I would think of something better, Mm -hmm. you know, like the Stanford prison experiment. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, go ahead and teach that to all of your uh, all of your eight year olds. Oh my gosh, I don't know if anyone's ever done that, but I would love to see that. I think so. the The Stanford Prison Experiment basically, I read about it in psychology, and I don't remember it exactly. But basically, this professor at Stanford marked half of the students in his class as prisoners. And then half of them as the prison guards. And so from there, they were asked to develop this system of of discipline, essentially. And they got very, very into it. And there were a lot of abuses of power from the kids at the top. I think the teacher got disbanded for that. Like, he got into a lot of trouble. I think the thing is with a lot of psychological experiments, though is obviously you need ethical standards and there is a moving conversation, but a lot of the times the psychology and the experiments that have happened that have been declared unethical, I feel like a lot of the times there's still good information out of that. Mm -hmm. Like the Stanley Milgram experiment, which was the experiment where you are, okay, so you come into this experiment And you see two people. You see me, who's the person leading the experiment, and you see this person in a room that's not contacted to us, can't see us or anything. A lot of the times you wouldn't even see that. It would just be a voice. But I tell you, I say, look, press this button to electrocute him. And you press one, and he's like, ow. 
I say, press two. He's like, ah, press three. Ah! And it just, it goes more and more intense until eventually they're just begging and pleading for you not to do anything. And then lastly, they just don't respond. Yeah, you killed them. You killed them. And what they found was people were really, like they would look apprehensive, but when the person in charge would ensure them it's okay and ask them to keep doing it, most people went all the way with it. And throughout the whole experiment, even the people that thought the other person had died or been seriously injured, no one ever went to the authorities or anything. Uh And they got disbanded. Um, Stanley Milgram, if I'm remembering it correctly, because they were saying you cause this emotional stress and panic to these people, which I'm sure he did. But at the same time, I feel like that does offer something important and interesting about how people interact. Mm -hmm. And like, if you think you killed somebody and that gives you stress, like maybe you should take a look in the mirror. But yeah, on the Stanford prison experiment though, like were they graduate students? Were they undergraduate students? Cause I mean, being in school, like I've never seen a group get that into a project though. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. unless they thought to themselves like, Hey, let's see if we can like get this professor, like, Let's get him kicked out. Let's get him get, get kicked out. Like this is a little, a little sus. Let's let's take this too far. Yeah, but think of how power hungry Boy Scouts are <laughs> when they get to be the lauded position of patrol leader. You know, that's a lot of power to hold in your hands. Uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, unless nobody nobody cares. You know about your position of authority that's true i tried to i tried to use i tried to get the patrol leader a couple times to uh control my peers but they uh they didn't care they they just they just did their own thing well i think with student council i first off i hate to flex but i was the student council president in eighth grade which is pretty good and I ran a couple times in high school and I never won any of those elections. But what I realized, I didn't really want to be on the student council. I just liked the idea of being in charge of something, (laughs) which I think, I mean, I think that's telling of me, but I think that that's what motivates a lot of people who seek positions of power. Mm -hmm. It's not that they necessarily have what they want to do or an idea of that they just like the sound of being the boss yeah you know it's like i always say driving a car people are very aggressive with that because for a lot of people driving a car and steering this thousand what is a car weigh three thousand pound vehicle is the most control and power they have over their life uh-huh and i think that a lot of the times authority is like that Like, um, you know, I mean, obviously we could take that to any level, but I think that the smallest instance of that are the most interesting. Like Mm -hmm. if you look at city council or, or a lot of these random institutions, people are very vested in their arbitrarily defined positions and accolades. I watched this show called instant hotel, Uh which is essentially it's an Airbnb And so it's this contest where people, Australian people stay at each other's Airbnbs and rank them in whatever. 
And this one lady was a top reviewer on Yelp. And I guess that's some distinction or, or random accolade on Yelp. Uh-huh. But she brought that up quite a lot. She's like, look, I'm an official reviewer on Yelp. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I always thought that was really funny. I was also thinking when I was watching Harry Potter, I think we need an Australian remake. Because I think that I think that at some point they will remake Harry Potter. And I think they should be Australian. I think that would add quite a bit. I don't know, though. I think there's something so British about it that it, you, you can't really take it out of its British context. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like they're going to remake the movies. I think they're doing a miniseries or something like that at some point. And I was thinking about it. I feel like books can last generations. I think that kids still read Harry Potter and I think kids will continue to read it. But I think that films and I mean, I guess films specifically, even if you were to show your children or some kid you were babysitting this, that kid would need a reason to be exposed to it. Mm -hmm. So I think even though these films do hold up, other than having them made and released again, I don't know a way you could expose a younger audience to this if someone wasn't innately doing that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think a lot of people get upset with remakes, but I was kind of thinking of it in the context of plays. You know, Hamlet as a play has been performed thousands, if not millions of times. And it's a story that I think I'm not going to say I think it's interesting because I think it's boring, (laughs) but obviously it's been told and it's been tweaked and it's been altered so many times that it's the story at the end of the day that I think is worth sharing. Mm -hmm. And so as much as you could get obsessed with these particular films as a piece of art in and of themselves, I think that if you were to be upset about them being remade, I think that you would miss the point of the thematic core and the story and the characters being what's really important about Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. But also, if they remade them and they were bad, that wouldn't be good. No. If I remake them and they're bad... You I'd still get money for it. Still get paid. Well, I think, I think at the end of the day, you just gotta, you gotta do as well as you can and then get over it. You know, mm-hmm. that's all you can, that's all you can do. I really don't like it when directors, and I, I say directors specifically because this is something that I spend a lot of time with, but will blame extenuating circumstances for how a film turns out. Because mm-hmm. obviously there is a lot of things that go into it. I think studio interference or, or producers or all kind of things can affect it. But as the director, you're taking on the authority of the final product of the film Mm -hmm. and to what extent you get that authority obviously can vary but by being the director you're taking that on your shoulders Mm -hmm. and so i think you are responsible for how it turns out and i think you can be resentful for how something ends up but i think that you need to be professional and to take whatever you've made as it is Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the times people people view art differently than other things in that there's no rules and all that matters is the end product. But to me, it's still a collaborative effort. It's still a profession. And you need to accept 
and take in whatever you made mm-hmm. and take the lessons of that and move on, of course. But I think you can't disown something you don't like when that is yours and it is a product of what you've done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously I, I want to make movies. That's, that's what I'm trying to do with my life. But if I make something and it's bad, I feel like I couldn't blame it on something else and still hold the idea that I was in charge of it. Yeah. Cause it's as the person in charge of really anything, you are responsible for the outcome. And that's, that's not even to say you affect everything within it because obviously there's a lot at play, but by being in that position of authority and leadership, I think you're, you're at the, the whim of whatever's made. Yeah. And I think that applies to, to everything really does even more than just movies you know what really grinds my gears what is that when kids and i'm just thinking of this now and it's it's not relative i guess because we're adults and out of school and whatnot but when kids in school were held back a grade and said well technically i should be in sixth grade (laughs) because that's not what the word technically means you shouldn't be in sixth grade well to be fair they were held back so can you really hold them accountable for not really knowing the meaning of words? That's that's true. That's just that always bugged me. It's like, <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. Well, I was so I was born on September 15th. And a lot of the times people would be like, oh, are you old for your year? Uh-huh. And I guess a lot of schools choose when you start school based on your birthday. Yeah. And so throughout my academic career, like up until college, when I would tell people, and even through college, my birthday, they'd say, oh, did you start school early or or were you young? And I don't know, but it's weird to me that that's something people would know and recall 20 years later. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's something that maybe in kindergarten that would have been at play, but. Well, apparently a lot of parents like, uh, you know, since we live in Texas, a big football state and that sort of stuff, you know, a lot of parents down here will actually hold their children, hold their sons back. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, what they call a red shirt, like kindergartner, where they will not. Red shirt. What would the red shirt okay, mean? Okay, so in college football, if mm-hmm. you're a red shirt freshman, okay. that means that you have signed on, you've, you've, you're on the team, but okay. you are not going to play your entire freshman season. Okay. You're, you're going to practice with the team. You're going to eat with the team. Mm-hmm. You're going to uh, lift weights with the team. You're going to do all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. But you're not going to play in any of the games because okay. you have four years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're you're sacrificing, you know, you're, you're just you're giving yourself one more year of practice. So when you're 23, mm-hmm. you'll be that much better on right. the team. So what, when you're a redshirt kindergartner, what you're doing is you, your parents are saying, we're not going to sign you up for kindergarten quite yet, even though you are five, we're going to wait until you're six. That way, whenever you get to high school and you're a ninth grader, you will actually have the body of a 10th grader, but you'll be in ninth grade. And when you're in 12th grade, You'll have you'll, the body of a freshman. You'll have, a, you'll have the body of a freshman in college, but you'll be a senior in high school. So you'll be that much stronger and that much better than all of your other people out there. And you will have done that your whole life. You'll grown up always being 
the best on the team. So you mm-hmm. you know you'll get put in to play. You'll get more practice. You'll get more of all of this stuff. Right. So maybe you'll get noticed on those high school teams, and you you might get put out into college. That sounds like really wishful thinking. It is, and to hold back one person's life for a whole year. Yeah, just so that they might be good at sports. But I mean, I don't I don't know anyone who's a professional athlete. Or, I mean, I know some college athletes, but no one that was, like, heavily recruited and the best of the best. Mm -hmm. But I'm really curious. I'm sure that a lot of those people did have parents that were pushing them and were really into it. But I'm also curious, like, what percentage in amount of those people were just into it and passionate? Mm -hmm. You know, because I feel like I feel like sports is is unique, but also not unique. And then I feel like a lot of my high achieving friends they're just really into whatever their thing was. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know a lot of parents who are really pushy and like vehemently into their children doing something. But I think that my, my friends that are generally the happiest and the highest achieving were just kind of into it. Yeah. But like, I think there's a lot to be said though about like parental influence on, on children. So like if, if your dad went to UT and was like a star linebacker or something like that in the, mm-hmm. in the, 90s or something like that and you grew up your whole life being like oh my dad was a really good athlete my mom was a really good athlete so like you got to be athlete. a really good athlete i mean even if that's like on the subconscious level when you're out there on your peewee football team you're telling yourself that you're a good athlete and however you know like that think and grow rich mentality of things you're telling yourself that you're a good athlete so you are going to be a good athlete and that, I mean, just having that your whole life and maybe, maybe your dad watches football every Saturday and he sees that and he's like really passionate about that. And that might just spill over on you. You know, you're, you see your old man being really passionate about something. So you, you think, oh man, I want to be just like him. Mm. And you're going to be passionate about that too. Yeah. Maybe not. They're really pushy and they're like, you need to do this. You need to do this. But just their influence of them being passionate about something mm-hmm. makes you passionate about that as well. See, I think that what a lot of people need, or not, not even need, but I think that a big offset of that is that I feel like some people are driven because they want to be good at something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of people, sometimes their motivation from their parents comes from a desire to please their parents and to satisfy that as an ends of itself. And so I think that a lot of the times, if you're not self-motivated, and I, I think that that's, that's a perversion of self-motivation, but if your desire to do something and achieve something comes out of your desire to satisfy someone else, I think that that's a negative mindset that can be problematic. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's still good to want to to succeed at the end of the day. But I think that a lot of the times when people don't know why they want to do something and they only want to do it because they think they're supposed to, whenever something gets in their way, I think there's kind of a conception of reality and an existential crisis that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, also, I mean, this kind of gets down into the weeds of it, but like at what point are you doing something, you know, say you play football to make your parents happy, you know, 
are you doing that because you want your parents to be happy and that's just it? Or you want to make your parents happy and you want to make your parents happy so that they are in a happy mood and will, you know, be in a better mood about things and, and do things so that, you know, you might get ice cream on the way home or something like that, you know, like I want some ice cream. Do you, do you go out and volunteer because you want to feel good about, you know, do you want to go out and volunteer just to help people or do you want to go out and volunteer to help somebody and then get that good feeling of being like, I help somebody now I feel good. You know, it's not, it's not completely altruistic, you know, in every sense of the mind, but it's, I think you there's get to always, a point. I think there's, I think there's a certain ulterior motive behind everything where it's, it's always a little, uh, uh, selfish. I think you get to a point when you can buy yourself ice cream. <laughs> and I know that, I know that most people don't embrace it or recognize it, but when you're at the point when you can buy yourself ice cream, do you really need anything else? Mm-hmm. Probably. I don't, but you should still eat ice cream. Okay. Here's the thing. Ice cream is probably the most nutritious dessert item. Like it has a lot of protein uh, like it's got some, you know, it's because of all the dairy and things and like, and things like that in it. I think it's probably pretty good in that, in that regard. Whereas like cookies and cakes and, and things like that have a lot of carbohydrates. It's just all sugar. Yeah. It's just sugar, sugar, sugar with like ice cream. You know, you're getting a little, a little meat behind that. Well, so many of the like sodas and candies and everything I have realized is just processed sugar. It's kind of gross. And like, if you look at the amount of sugar that's in a can of Coke, it's kind of gross. But if you think about how at 7-Eleven for 99 cents, you can get 60 ounces or whatever, whatever the amount is of Coca-Cola and just drink that. Gnarly, man. Your pee is going to smell disgusting the next day. (laughs) What is with eating asparagus and just making your pee gross? Do you have that? I don't eat asparagus a lot, but I have noticed that. So I think there's apparently like a gene for smelling that chemical. Mm. This is kind of gross, so I I, I apologize. No, it's interesting. It's interesting. There's apparently like a gene, and some people have it and some people don't. Okay. where, Where you can smell that somebody has eaten asparagus. Oh, that's interesting. In their pee. So it's not always just you. You can smell it on on, other people. From other people. It's really interesting that the smell of your pee is one of the best barometers for your overall health. (laughs) And Uh, color. And color, yeah. Yeah. It's like, sometimes you just, you go to the bathroom and you're like, wow, yesterday was not a good day. (laughs) You gotta drink water. People that don't drink water need to drink more water. Is, is this going to be a self-help podcast? Is this that, is a self-help podcast. Make your bed. You got to make your bed. Drink water. Drink water. Smell your pee. Uh-huh. Like, like don't, don't like get in the toilet, but like, well, I think the thing is that is if you can smell your pee without I think that, trying that, that, to smell your pee. That's the third pee, tip. Don't, don't like bathe in the toilet. Don't bathe in the toilet. I love it when people say, oh, that's just statistics. Like, <laughs> You're taking, you're taking your 
I don't know if it's an inability to analyze it, but you're taking the fact that you haven't really considered the data on any level and just discrediting that data by itself. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if you get into the statistical methods of it, you know, say maybe that study, maybe you're misinterpreting it. But for people to just be like, wow, that's just statistics. I always think that's really funny because it's <laughs> like, well, what else are we going off of? <laughs> That said, though, I think that it is dangerous to say, oh, we have this statistic. This interpretation of it is necessarily correct. But I think that to be like, wow, it's just statistics. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, it's just like like analytical research. It's probably important. Probably. Maybe. There's book learning. Then there's street learning. <laughs> my, my favorite quote from Futurama... Fry, Stephen J. Fry says, I'm not book smart and I'm not street smart, but I'm something. I always thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) Well, I feel like people suppose that you have to be one or the other. Uh You know, it's like if you're if you're not good at something as a kid and you have a good teacher, they're like, oh, yeah, like you might not be good at this, but. You're good at something. Yeah. I think that's Not a false that's a false equivalency. I think that that's Okay, I'm staring at the mermaid on your Starbucks cup uh-huh. and I just can't stop thinking of Hitler. <laughs> Cuz she has this nose, right? But it does look like a mustache. It looks like a mustache. It's it's smaller than than her mouth. On my on my favorite episode of Goosebumps, um, the Canadian TV show from the 90s. There's an episode called The Perfect School, and it's 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 a reworking of 1984, essentially. But there's one character that has a mustache, and it's just a normal mustache that's gray, and it's dyed in the middle like a Hitler mustache. Oh. So it's not that they outright gave him a Hitler mustache, but they very clearly gave him a Hitler mustache. It's unfortunate. It's pretty unfortunate. See, I think if I could, I think if I could grow my mustache for a year, it would look good. But I think the thing is with mustaches is it's the length of the hair from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I think for it to work, the hair towards the tip of your nose needs to reach the hair at the bottom and have an evenness throughout to give it enough structure well that's that's where the thickness comes in Uh because i feel like with beard hair and hair in general it's more the cluster and the thickness of the hair itself Mm -hmm. but i think that mustaches that look right it's how long it's grown up into itself Mm -hmm. you know yeah, I, I definitely agree. I tried to grow out a mustache at the at the beginning of the pandemic, and it was it was very blonde, mm-hmm. so it, it didn't really look much of anything. Uh, and well, to be honest, it, nothing really ever happened with it. It just it just kind of grew and looked disgusting. But nobody it's, saw me, so it was okay. It's weird how eyebrows are like the mustaches of your eyes. They really are. Well, what then are your eyelashes? Your butt hairs. I was going to... I would say more of like your nose hairs, but... What is your nose, but your face's butt? Um... No. Think about it. I'm good. Think about it. I'm good. 
Noses are gross. Yes. That's that's all. Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree. Like sneezing, it's just exhaling like sediment just like out. I mean, I guess that's the thing with wearing masks and, and whatnot, but it's just like, just your boogers out, yeah. all over the place. Well, that's like whenever someone's talking and they like kind of spit on you, it's like, wow, kind of hate you. <laughs> the worst I think that we're I think that we've wound down Nick do you have any any last advice to leave to leave with our friends <sighs> okay so I've always heard three rules of living of living your life the first is to look good okay the second is to not die don't die and the third you literally can't have a life if you die yeah the third rule is if you are going to die, look good doing it. I love it. So email in with your thoughts, decadententertainmentpod at gmail.com. Otherwise, have a great week. Yeah. Boy.